Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Do you have a shepherd's heart? Do you have a desire to see other people growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you actively pursuing Jesus and growing in your relationship with him as your chief shepherd? Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 10 and look at the incredible importance of being a good shepherd for Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It's a Monday morning here in Texas and hopefully all just rocking in Jesus, spending time with Jesus and uh, growing to know Jesus more, growing to love him more, growing to know his love for you more. There's nothing in our lives that'll benefit us more than spending more time with Jesus. So, all right, well, we finished up John 9 um, last time incredible chapter, just 41 verses, I believe it was five teachings, um, and just, just profound, profound insights uh, out of John 9. The, uh, uh, the man that had been born blind really is, a, you know, just a, a hero for Christ in the way he stood up for Jesus, an example, uh, really, to all of us. So, as we move into John 10, if... Uh, if you remember from the last time, John 9 ended with Jesus rebuking the, the Pharisees and explaining to them that, that they, are, they are sinful and that they are responsible for their sin because they haven't acknowledged their, their utter helplessness and need of him as their savior. Um, verse 40 of John 9 said, some Pharisees who were with him, heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? And in 41, Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And we, we talked about what that means, that when we come to a place that we understand our blindness, our spiritual blindness, when we come to a, a place where we understand where we are hopeless, and helpless and blind. We really know nothing of God. We're desperate as the Bible teaches. We come in agreement with the scriptures. And out of that place, we give our lives to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul and to receive eternal life, spiritual life. Then we, we, are, we become a new creation in Christ, right? Um, 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? The old is gone, the new has come. And so we become what the scriptures call born again spiritually. And now, you know, we, we become children of God, our father, and things start to make sense to us. The Bible starts to make sense. We start having a desire for the scriptures and for the Bible and the and the things of God, and we have relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. But until we, 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 we put our faith and trust completely and totally in Jesus Christ alone, we remain blind, and we remain responsible for our sin. The guilt of our sin remains on us, and if we leave this world in that state, we'll spend eternity in hell separated from God, is what the scriptures say. 
very clearly teach. Jesus said in uh, John 14, 6, just four chapters from here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, remembering that when John wrote this gospel, he didn't put chapters into it. So now as we move into chapter 10, Jesus is going to get into a, a discussion here about, about ministers and shepherds and religious leaders. And it's a, it's a very interesting discussion. It's, um, you know, as I've studied this out now several times, um, just to, to, to really, you know, try to understand what he's saying to, to teach it. Um, you know, we, we generally always focus in the body of Christ on, on verse 10. Verse 10 is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Um, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so that's a verse we focus on a lot in the body of Christ, and we ought to. Jesus has come that we may have life, beginning with eternal life in salvation for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul. And then going on that we just might have life in this life, that we might have eternal life now, right? Like I said, uh, the old church fathers used to, used to teach. Mine had taught me early that eternal life is not only a quantity of life, but a quality of life. So when he says, I have come that they may have life, right? We're not just waiting living out this life, just waiting to get to heaven. We, we, you know, we want life now. We want to experience eternal life now. And the more we grow to know Christ, the more we grow to love him, the more we grow to know his love, the more we grow to obey him and repent where we fall short, the more life we'll have in this life, the more eternal life we'll have now. Right, Junior? So, all right. So today we're going to, Lord willing, do John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. I'll go ahead and read it, and we will get rolling. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your love and mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you that we're your children in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are indeed alive and risen today. And we just worship you and thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us now and give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. John 10, verses 1 through 10. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech 
but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. So again, remember, he's, he's you know, although we've turned the chapter over, Jesus is still speaking. He's speaking to the Pharisees, um, the religious leaders who, again, just treated this blind man very poorly. They called on his parents. They just put his parents in a very uncomfortable position. In fact, the, uh, his, uh, the blind man's parents wouldn't stand up for him. They said he is born blind, but they didn't want nothing to do with it because they didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. And we talked about that. Um, they showed no compassion to the blind man, no joy. They, they weren't real shepherds. And so really the, the main lesson we're going to see here is that it's, it's talking about religious leaders and shepherds, right? Um, uh, pastors and ministers are, and priests are called shepherds in the scriptures. And their job uh, is to shepherd the flock of God. Um, you know, we, are, we ourselves are sheep. But as ministers, we're to be shepherds of the sheep. And that's a, a metaphor, obviously, for, um, you know, how the shepherd, you know, out in the fields, you know, uh, shepherded, you know, the sheep. And Jesus is using this as a figure of speech. And so in verse one, he says, I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief or robber. Now, this has obvious application to our salvation, but again, in this context, right, Jose, right, Tommy, it's uh, as we as we roll over from chapter nine, he's speaking to the shepherds. He, I'm sorry, speaking to the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who were who were not shepherds sent from God. They were shepherds who had their own motivations, their own interests. Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. Um, there is no shepherd. There is no legitimate shepherd, first off, that's, that's not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Meaning, there are no shepherds in any other religions that are legitimate shepherds. There are no, there are no religious leaders in any other religion that are legitimate shepherds as Jesus is teaching us here very clearly, except those that have first received Jesus Christ, have genuinely given themselves to Jesus, and then have grown up in Jesus and been called by Jesus to be pastors and uh, teachers and, and ministers and elders and deacons to, to shepherd the flock of God. So when he says, I tell you the truth, he's saying you, you can bank on this. Uh, the other versions say, most assuredly, I tell you that, you know, he's wanting you to, to really understand this. Uh, and it's, it's pivotal. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief or robber. So again, that begins, that has application very clearly to our 
salvation. So you try to you try to get into heaven. You try to get into relationship with God by some other way but the gate. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief or robber. Remember verse six says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. And we'll get into that. That's kind of amusing, really. Um, and then in verse seven, it says, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. So uh, Jesus is the only gate. He's the only door into relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the only door, the only gate to get into heaven. Jesus is the only way to have our sins forgiven. And the scripture is clear, you know, Romans 3.23, that all human beings are sinful and a fall short of God's standard. And they do fall short of God's standard. And all of us need a savior. All 8 billion people in the world, all who've ever lived, need a savior. And that savior is only Jesus Christ. He is the only gate. There is no other way. We can't, we can't do enough good works to take away our sin. Good doesn't take away bad. We need a savior. We're hopeless. We're desperate. So Jesus Christ is the gate. And again, out of his own words. So we have to deal with this. These are Jesus's own words. So when we say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and to have your sins forgiven, um, and to have relationship with the triune God. We're not being intolerant. We're, we're not being unloving. These are his words. So the most loving thing we can do as Christians and as ministers is drive people to Jesus, not based on what we think. I, as, as candid as I can be, and Lord, if I'm wrong in this, forgive me. I wish it wasn't so. I wish everyone was able to go to heaven. Everyone had relationship with God, but I, I don't make the rules. This is not a democracy. Jesus is God. He's king. He's given us his word. These are his words. I am the gate for the sheep. Verse seven. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers. If, if anyone is believing today, or if anyone is leading others to believe that there's any other way to God than genuinely trusting in Jesus Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior, then they're thieves and robbers, Jesus said. They're, they're not pure. They're, you know, a thief comes by stealth, a robber comes by violence, right? Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're not, they're not real. They're not genuine. John 1 12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is the most loving thing that we can that we can tell people and urge people and do all we can to, to drive them to Christ in the foot of the cross. Again, we want to do it in the most loving manner possible, right? You just don't want to walk around telling people, you know, oh, you're going to hell. You're just, 
You're going to burn in hell. I mean, it is it is a reality. But, you know, Ephesians 4 says, speaking the truth in love. We do speak the truth of the word of God. But as Christians, as disciples, and as ministers, we want to do it in a passionate manner. But it needs to be a loving manner. And I understand. I understand how a, a, an unbelieving world sees this as intolerant. But, but hopefully rational people can understand this is not intolerant. This is what the Bible says. God has given his word. Think about those. Think about that statement. God has given his word. When, when we as men or women give our word, it should be our bond. We ought to keep it. Always, right? Our word ought to mean something. But all of us have failed in that. There's all, all of us have had times where we've said we would do something or wouldn't, and we've done it. It's sinful. But God's word has never failed. When God gives you his word, when God your father says to you, uh, Ian, I give you my word. Esther, I give you my word. Jesus is saying here, Scott, I give you my word. I mean, I don't, I, I, we can't say that enough. I just want to pound it into our heads. The Bible is the word of God. The God who created the universe is giving you his word and, and, he, and he can't lie. He's perfect. It will come to pass. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter by the sheep enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way as a thief and a robber. Now look at verse two. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. So obviously it begins with entering the sheep pen by the gate of Jesus as we as we have to be saved for the forgiveness of our sins. But now speaking of a shepherd here, right? The man, verse two, who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. There is a, there is a, there is a, the, the proper gate to enter into salvation is Jesus. But the only proper way to, to be a shepherd of the people of God is to be called by Jesus. Okay, you see how it's talking about shepherds here. So the man who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the religious leaders. And he's explaining to them that only in him can they be a valid shepherd. Again, there is no shepherd in the world today. No true shepherd, no true biblical shepherd that's not a shepherd for Jesus Christ and a genuine shepherd for Jesus Christ, not just a shepherd in word or in name, um, but a shepherd. A shepherd is someone who has a genuine heart and love for the sheep and for the flock. Doesn't mean they have a genuine heart for church, May. It doesn't mean they have a genuine heart, right? Um, for all the other superfluous things. Now, again, having a heart for church is a good thing. Having a heart to be in a good Bible-based church is a good thing. Desiring to go to church and, and worship the Lord on, uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever day, you can do it any day of the week, um, are all good things. And we should do it all, you know, every day. Again, 
When two believers meet, you're having church. When we come together as a larger body, again, and hear a, a good, solid Bible-based message in church, and worship the Lord and, and praise and worship, um, these things are wonderful, and we ought to do them. But as shepherds, that ought not be our primary focus. And make no mistake, the vast majority of shepherds, of you know, professional ministers in the world today, their biggest concern by far is what's happening on Sunday in church. And, uh, and again, we can all fall into this. Um, we all have as, as ministers, but it's something we need to be, to be extremely conscious of. If as shepherds, pretty much all we do in the kingdom of God is when we talk on Sundays or Wednesdays or is public, okay, we're failing as shepherds. Even if that's most of what we do, we are failing at shepherds, okay? Certainly Jesus, right? He's the chief shepherd, right? First Peter 5 tells us that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's going to appear and he's going to reward us accordingly. When you look through the scriptures, Jesus certainly did spend time throughout the gospels you know, moving around and teaching, you know, groups of people of different sizes all the way up. And so as ministers, we certainly ought to do that. But do you think the most impactful time, excuse me, with his disciples was the time when he would teach them publicly with everyone else? Or do you think the most impactful time was when he spent time with them privately? And built that relationship with them and gave him his time and discipled them, right? We don't make disciples from a pulpit, okay? And, and again, there seems to be some confusion, um, particularly amongst some of the most sound doctrinal people, that there's this illusion that disciples are made in the pulpit. Never. It's never happened, okay? You cannot make a disciple in the pulpit. Because someone diligently comes to church every Sunday does in no way make them a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listening to, to a, a man of God teach the word of God with, with as much gifting as power as is possible is a wonderful thing. It's something all of us ought to do. But that in itself is in no way discipleship. It is a part of discipleship. It's, it's an important part to hear the word of God taught and exposited, right? Um, you know, that we might understand it properly. That's why we do these teachings. But, but again, it's, it's, it's a part of discipleship. It's an important part, but it's not the most important part by any means, okay? A disciple's got to spend time in the scriptures for themselves, right? Um, um, they got to be Bereans, right? What was it? Acts 17 says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures night and day to see if what Paul said was true. You know, a, a, a disciple is someone who's a disciplined follower in Christ. They do the hour and a half on Sunday, but 
you know, that hour and a half is not more important than, 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 than every waking hour of their lives and spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, examining themselves and, you know, seeing where they're walking with Jesus well, but where they're walking with Jesus and where they're, where they're not walking with Jesus well and spending time and, and repentance when they practice that introspection, right, Kristen? Um, a disciple is someone who's just continually pursuing Jesus. They, they're, they're an apprentice of Jesus. They're, they're following Jesus around all day like these disciples. Now, obviously, we work and we do our jobs and we need to do that, but we do them unto Christ as disciples of Christ. So a shepherd, a biblical shepherd, as Jesus is saying here, that's called by Jesus, cares for the flock, loves the flock, gives his time to the flock. He, he is, he's consistently thinking about the flock. He's praying about the flock. Um, he's, he, he's, he's, he's seven days a week. He's looking and caring about the flock more than just what he's going to tell them on Sunday. I'll say again, if, if you're in a church and all you know of your pastor is what you hear of him on Sunday, then he's not your primary shepherd. If you're in a church and all you hear from your pastor is what you hear on Sunday, then he's not your primary shepherd. He certainly is a shepherd. He, he is a shepherd. He's called to teach the word of God, just like what I'm doing here. Okay. Um, but it's those men in your life that are consistently building you up or women shepherdess, right? That are building you up in Christ moment by moment, day by day, looking out for you, reaching out for you, seeing how you're doing, checking on you. That's a shepherd's job. <laughs> And it's not just the job, but a life group leaders. We, we live in a church culture today. Again, and it's just so broken. Where, you know, the, 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 the pastors on staff in churches, and particularly the bigger church is, we have this thing where it's, you know, it's the life group. It's the life group leaders that, that, that really do the shepherding. Okay. Now, of course, that's a good thing. Having life groups is a good thing. But again, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the job of the staff of the church above everyone else to be given their lives moment by moment, day by day, reaching out to you, Nathan, right? Calling on you, seeing how you're doing. If you never hear from a staff pastor at your church, except on Sunday, you're undoubtedly in the wrong place. Okay, if, if you're in a church and a year goes by and you never hear from from anyone, I'm not talking about just I'm not talking about life group leaders. Certainly you're in you're you're in community with them. But if you never hear from someone on staff again, calling you and checking on you and see how you're doing, how's the family? OK, if you don't hear from an elder at the church, if you don't hear from a deacon at the church, if you don't hear from, you know, one of the pastors on staff, one of the leaders that are above the life group leaders, okay, then you're in the wrong place. Because a shepherd cares for the sheep. He desires to speak to the sheep, to spend time with the sheep. Now, now obviously, if you're in a 20,000 member church, okay, 
um, and there's 40 pastors there or whatever it is, you're, you're not going to you're not going to probably hear from from a whole bunch of them all that much. But you still ought to. There still ought to be times throughout the year where a pastor on staff reaches out to you in one way or another. If you're a member of that church and you're going to that church, certainly you're giving and tithing to that church, you ought to at some level hear from, from the leadership in addition to your, you know, your weekly, you know, times you have in your, in your small groups and in your, you know, um, your fellowship time with your, your, your quote, life group leaders, right? Um, and again, all these life groups are wonderful things. We, we ought to do them. But we've gotten away from shepherding, okay? Jesus is called a shepherd. How much time did Jesus spend with the disciples? He talked to them once a week on Sunday for 45 minutes? No. No, that's not right, right? Um, how much time did a shepherd spend with the sheep? You know, when a shepherd is, a literal shepherd is, you know, again, we use, we're use we speaking figuratively that we're shepherds here, but a literal shepherd, you know, a shepherd lives with the sheep. He's always with the sheep. Jesus is called the chief shepherd. You know, again, was he with his disciples? No, he wasn't with them once a week on Sunday. He lived with them. He was with them seven days. So again, we have a pattern here. No, I'm not saying we just go, we all go move in together, but I'm saying there's a, there is a pattern that what a genuine shepherd looks like. Okay. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. Verse three, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You, you know, again, when I was preparing for my study and studying the different scholars on this, you know, shepherds generally name their sheep like we name our dogs or, or cats. It's pretty interesting, right? They give their sheep names, okay? So a shepherd in your life knows your name. <laughs> yeah, right? So, and, and he'll go out of his way to know your name and to know you and to get to know you. So again, no, if you're a pastor of a church, a senior pastor of a church of 500 or 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 or all the way up, how are you going to know everyone's name? Simple fact is you're not their shepherd, okay? You teach them the word of God, hopefully faithfully on Sunday and on Wednesday or whenever it is you do it, okay? But their shepherds are the one that know them by name, that care about them personally, that are looking out for their, their welfare, that, 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 that know the situations going on in their lives, know the problems, know the difficulties, know what's going on with, with their wives and children, know what's going on with the husbands, and they just, they're involved in their lives. That's what a shepherd is. The watchman opens the gate for him, for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Well, certainly Jesus knows your name. And, and this is an important place to, to, to acknowledge that all of us are called to be shepherds. You know, we're all, all Christians are called to be ministers. Um, certainly not all are called to be professional ministers. Not all are called to be, to, 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 to do ministry as their work. That's a special call of God, right? But, 
But every one of us is called to encourage other people, to get to know their name, to build them up, to look out for them, to care for them, to shepherd them, to encourage them in the word of God, to drive them to the chief shepherd, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Golly, this is good stuff. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. If you believe you're called to be a minister of the gospel today, if you believe you're called to be in full-time ministry, you want to look into your heart, or if you are in full-time ministry, and see, do you have a heart for the people of God? Not a heart to talk to them publicly only, okay? Because if that's the only heart you have, then you're not called to be a full-time minister. A full-time minister, someone who gives their life to the work of the gospel, someone who makes their living at it, is paid by the body of Christ, as I am, they ought to have a heart for the people of God. They ought to have a heart to check up on them. They, have a, they ought to have a heart to be in their lives. You ought to hear from them, okay? Or some other staff member on a, on a relatively consistent basis. I don't know whatever is every three months or whatever. And then again, if you're in a church and you have life group leaders. Now again, I'm, how can a senior pastor call every member of the church every three months? He necessarily can't. And I'm not even saying that. So let's say, you know, we, we have families in the church and there's 10 pastors on staff, right? Why is it every one of them reaching out to say four or five families a week? Just, just checking on them, right? It doesn't have to be for an hour. You don't, it doesn't have to go to lunch. You could call and have a 15-minute phone conversation and say, hey, you know, and by this way, maybe you hear from a staff pastor every three months, as well as all the downline. I'm telling you, you can ask anyone anywhere you go. If you go to a, a, a church of any magnitude, almost everyone, and I'm telling you, everyone knows this, but you know, probably 95, 98, 99% of people will say, no, I don't ever hear from a staff pastor ever. Okay. Well, then they're not your shepherds. Okay. Um, the shepherds know your name and they care about you. So you ought to hear from them at some point. So again, if you're a pastor and you're listening to this today and there are massive members, people that come to your church and you don't know who they are, you do well. Okay. It's good. You see the pastors out there shaking hands, having conversations after service um, and stuff like that, or before service. And they're doing all that. But it ought to be more than that. You ought to be reaching out to people during the week, reaching out to the families that you're shepherding. And those that you do reach out to, you are shepherding. If you're not reaching out, someone else is shepherding them, hopefully. Um, and as I said, the vast, 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 the 99.9% .9 of all shepherds in the world are not paid ministers. Okay? Every one of us is called to be a shepherd of the sheep, to care about the sheep, to lead the sheep, to know them by name. Golly, it's just, this is just such, this is just, this is heavy. Verse four, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Okay, now again, you can almost see a dual application here. Certainly we follow Jesus. Do you know the voice of Jesus? Are you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit who's speaking for Jesus? Are you convicted by the word of God, which is the word of Jesus, right? Um, these words in red are the words of Jesus. They're the word of God. The whole Bible is the word of God, right? 
When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they, they know his voice. And again, so we ought to know the voice of Jesus. And as shepherds, people ought to know our voice. And they ought to hear the caring in it and the loving in it and the shepherding of it. And, you know, shepherding does also come with, you know, with, with rebuke and correction. One of the big problems we have in the body of Christ is even, you know, um, when we're trying to be sincere pastors, and there, there are many who are genuine, sincere, caring pastors, many. Um, now, there's many who are not. But oftentimes we don't want to be shepherded. <laughs> right? We don't, we don't want a shepherd, right? C.S. Lewis said, we don't want a father in heaven. We want a grandfather in heaven. Um, you know, uh, we don't want Jesus as the chief shepherd to be rebuking us and correcting us and disciplining us. And we certainly don't want the vast majority of Christians aren't comfortable with a pastor being all up in their business. But that's your pastor's job, right, Melanie? It's his job to be all up in your business. Um, to really see in how your walk with Jesus is going. How are you serving Jesus in the kingdom of God, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, Esther? How are you, how are you serving Jesus, Uncle Dennis? How are you serving him with your time, your talents, and your money, Corinne? How are you, how are you, you know, how are you giving your life to Jesus? How are you using your days in Christ? And again, the vast majority of Christians are not comfortable with the pastor being that, you know, that, that, that on top of them, so to speak, that in their business, right? But that's what a caring and loving shepherd does. My, <laughs> my brother Jesse and I talk about it, right? You know, he, he's fond of saying, you know, you found the right pastor when you just wish you would talk to him less. <laughs> because... You know, <laughs> you get it? He's the right pastor because he cares about you. He's always looking out for you, right? He's thinking about you. You're on his mind. They know his voice. Verse five, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. All of these things are... Um, you know, historically, when you go back to ancient Israel, and you can even hear testimonies of shepherds today, um, that you know, you know, there are stories of of, of people of a man, dis, uh, you know, disguising himself, and so he doesn't know he doesn't look at all the same as he did. But yet, the sheep know his voice. The literal sheep know the voice of the shepherd, and they won't follow a stranger. If you're a if you're a Christian today and you are genuinely and completely trusting in Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior, as best you know how. Again, when I say completely, we're all in a different place in our faith and our growth in Christ. But if you're clinging to Jesus Christ today as your only hope, if you know there's nothing you can do to save yourself, if you know you're hopeless and desperate, and you're genuinely and fully trusting in Jesus Christ alone. When I say completely, I mean you're not trusting in anything else. You're not trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in your own good works or anything else, but only in Jesus Christ. Then you know his voice. And you won't follow a stranger. And it's the same thing. The more you know Jesus, the more you won't, the more you'll recognize a false shepherd claiming to be a shepherd of Jesus. Okay? Now I'll say again, any shepherd that's not a shepherd of Jesus spiritually, meaning relating to God, 
is a false shepherd, is a thief and a robber. Okay? Not my words. They're Jesus's words. Okay? Um, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. So, again, these are the words of Christ. So when we say these things, again, I'm teaching through the book of John, right? I can't just go over the hard parts. I can't, I can't just skip over those because they're offensive to our sensibilities. These are the words of Christ. So again, whether it's if it's if it's a if it's a rabbi that's 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 not messianic, that's not trusting in Jesus Christ, he's a false shepherd. If it's a Hindu, He's a false shepherd. If it's a Buddhist, he's a false shepherd. If it's a, uh, if it's an Islam, or if he's a Muslim, it's a false shepherd. That's what Jesus said. Obviously, all the New Age stuff are horrible false shepherds, worse than even all the others. But it's it's only the shepherds of Jesus Christ, and even then, the the shepherds called by Jesus, genuinely following Jesus. Caring about the flock more than just the flock hearing their public teachings. Those are the real shepherds in your life. Those are the ones you want to find. Those are the ones you want to spend time with. Those are the ones you want to submit to. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize his voice. Do you recognize the voice Of Jesus, and do you recognize the caring, loving voice of your church pastors when they're they're not in the pulpit? Do you recognize the loving voice of your pastors? Again, do do you know the voice of your pastors outside of Sunday? Verse six, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. It's kind of funny. It's it's. <laughs> You can see, <coughs> excuse me, you can see, uh, you know, these first five verses, Jesus is talking about sheep and shepherds and gates and, pe gates and pens and watchmen. And they're all just looking around like, I, I, what? what? What are you talking about? You said something about sheep and shepherd and gates. And obviously they know he is using a figure of speech, but they, they can't, what, what are you even saying? You know, everybody's just looking cross-eyed, like, what is he saying? Verse six, Jesus used this figure of speech. Again, a figure of speech to speak about that he is the shepherd. We have to enter in by him being the gate for salvation. And then using this figure of speech to, to talk about who are the genuine shepherds and those are the ones that are sent by Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ. But they didn't understand it. So in verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Okay? So again, he's the gate for everything. Everything. Jesus is the gate for everything, Armando. Okay? He's the gate beginning with your salvation. You have to enter in. You can only enter in through Jesus Christ and receiving him as your Lord and Savior. Have you received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not words that save us. Okay? 
Just don't throw up some words and say you're saved, okay? It's when you understand that you are, as the scriptures say, you come in agreement with the scriptures, you humble yourself before the scriptures and confess that you know that you are a sinful person. And there's nothing you can do to change that. You're hopeless, you're helpless, you're desperate. But you believe the word of God. And out of that place, you humble yourself before Jesus with a genuine heart. And out of that heart, the best you can. Now, again, I'm not, everyone's in a different place with regard to being genuine. It's not a religious thing. But you believe the word of God. You believe that you're a sinful man or woman and there's nothing you can do. You're desperate and only hell awaits if not for intervention in Christ. And out of that place, you humble yourself before him and you call out to him. Lord Jesus, I, I confess, I know I'm a sinful man. And Lord, I know I cannot save myself. Lord, I, I believe that you, you came into this world and lived a perfect life for me and died that horrible, torturous death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen. I believe you're the savior of the world. And Lord Jesus, I ask you now to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to come into my heart and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I'm placing all my faith and trust and confidence to you alone, clinging to you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's how you become a Christian. Again, it's not just, we're not trying to give a, uh, like a methodology here, but we are in some ways, right? Meaning this is what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who's trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they've come to this point in their lives that they, that their life is consistent with John chapter one, verse 12 of this book to all who received him. Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received Jesus? If not, rewind it, go back and receive Christ as your savior. Again, we use words. That's what we use to communicate, right? But it's not the words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. What we try to, the reason I keep saying it's not the words that save us is because, you know, there's. We, we can massively lead someone astray by just walking up to them and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Well, just say these words, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, and now you're all set, right? And you're deceiving people or, or, you know, when we do that, okay? Um, there is a way to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, but it's not just saying words as if just by puppeting words that, that you've trusted in Jesus Christ, and so that's why I say all the time, it's not the words that save us. We want to use words. We want to be genuine in our words. We want to be sincere. And the words need to represent the sincerity of our heart. And in that place, we will be saved. By not just going along with someone and puppeting some words, we won't. Again, it's important. We want to use words. Verse 8, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Okay, again, if you're, if you're in Christ today and you are a, a genuine Christian, all right, then you won't listen to a thief or a robber. And there are a lot of charlatans out there. And we do want to, again, keep an eye out for them. And they're, and they're all over the church. Okay, again, a shepherd that's claiming to be a minister of Jesus, but is a thief or robber. Remember, a thief comes by, you know, by hiding, by stealth, secretly, 
right? Is pretending to be something perhaps that they're not. And a robber is just is just bold-faced, right? When someone comes up and robs you, he's like violent, right? He's robbing you at gunpoint or knife point or whatever it is, right? And again, these are metaphors that we want to watch out for these things in the body of Christ. Now, again, this is a whole other deal. Again, there, there are a whole, there, there, there are a countless number of individuals that believe that it's their job entirely to watch out for this. And I'm, hey, it's a good thing to watch out for thieves and robbers in the body of Christ, but that ought not be your only mission. Your mission ought to be to, to drive people to the real Jesus, right? But yes, if someone is a charlatan, if someone is a, uh, is a thief or a robber, then they, they, you know, and they are not a genuine Christian shepherd, um, then, then, then they ought not be a shepherd. Now, listen, every single pastor, minister, elder, deacon makes mistakes. Okay. And some mistakes are bigger than others, but we don't identify them by that. Okay. Meaning a David made massive mistakes, but he had a huge heart as a shepherd for God. He loved the people of God. He cared for the people of God. So we're not looking for our, our shepherds to be perfect, but do they have a heart to care for the flock, to truly care for the flock beyond what happens at their church, beyond what happens at Sunday? That's a genuine shepherd. I am the gate, verse nine. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Again, it, it cannot be more clear, right? I am the gate, Jesus. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Have you entered through Jesus Christ, receiving the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? He will come in and go out and find pasture. Once you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you're a child of God the Father, you will go out in this life not talking about going to heaven here. Certainly we'll have this in heaven, but he's saying, he's talking about day-to-day -day life here. He will come in and go out moment by moment, day by day, and you'll walk in the pastures of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you won't have problems. Doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. And finally, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief, again, he's talking about false shepherds here. Again, he's clearly speaking to the Pharisees because they were not genuine shepherds. They weren't. Uh, they rejected Jesus. You cannot reject Jesus and be a genuine shepherd. Of course, you can still love people by the common grace of God. Of course, you can still do good things by the common grace of God. But you cannot be a shepherd of God except in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, obviously, this is also a reference to Satan, right? Um, uh, uh, you know, Jesus refers to him as a, as a thief, right? And so uh, Satan, the demonic world, okay, they are certainly, you know, um, you know, remember Paul said that even Satan himself, right, can disguise himself as an angel of light, so even Satan himself can disguise himself and be a charlatan, right? Um, and he comes only to steal from you, to kill you, and destroy you. That's all the demonic world cares, and it is a real realm. There are demons in the earth. Satan is a fallen angel. He's, he's one being. He can only be in one place at one time. But, you know... Um, 
Revelation, you know, you know, I think it's verse 12 says that chapter 12 says that they had, you know, um, that there was a war in heaven. Right. And in a third of the angels, you know, rebelled against God, sided with Satan. They were defeated by Michael and his angels thrown to the earth. Quite a scene. And they don't die. You know, so, uh, you know, there there are demons in the earth as well as Satan. And they come to steal, kill, and destroy. It's only in Jesus Christ that we can be protected from these. Are you in Jesus Christ today? Do you know Jesus? They come to steal, kill, and destroy. And again, the battleground of demons is your mind. Now, again, what Jesus is specifically speaking about here, although this certainly has application to Satan in the demonic realm, is again, he's speaking about shepherds here. Um, and those who are not leading people into Jesus, caring for them as a shepherd of Jesus ought to do. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come that you may have life. Jesus entered this world, lived a perfect life for you and me, died a torturous death for you and me, and he is alive and risen so that you would have life, not only eternal life, everlasting life, not only that you'd go to heaven, but that you would have life today. Are you full of life? Are you full of excitement? Are you full of joy? Are you excited about Jesus? Are you shepherding people for Jesus? Because if you're not, then you need to get around some shepherds who are. You need to get around some people who are, some shepherds who are, um, as, and, and of course some, you know, some pastoral staff that is now, again, you can't go blaming your pastor if you don't have life. Okay. You're responsible for that. Your chief shepherd shepherd is Jesus. Okay. You're not, you know, required. Jesus has commissioned you as his disciple to go out and to, and to grow to know him and to love him. And obviously, if you have good, sound, biblical shepherds in your life that you're walking with, submitting to, this is going to be better and better off for you. But you, you can't blame somebody, okay? If you don't have pastors shepherding you, then find some that will, okay? And if you have a heart to be shepherded for Christ genuinely in the word of God, you will find men to do that. Right, Peyton? Right, Ian? Chloe, Benny? But if you don't, Okay, because there's not a lot, y'all. There are not a lot. There are millions of pastors, but there are not a lot who are who are shepherds that really are looking to shepherd the flock in a Christ-centered way. If you got one of those, you want to hold on to them and be thankful for them because there's not a lot of them. There's not a lot. And it's not easy to do. You know, being a shepherd of Jesus Christ, it's my job. It's hard. I think I, I you know, I'm not doing it as well as I ought to consistently. But, you know, Jesus has come that you would have life. Give yourself to him. Grow in your devotion to him. Grow to spend time with him that you might have life, Jason, right? And, and have it more and more full. We ought to be full of life in Jesus Christ. And look at most Christians. Um, again, you see very little life. You see so much more of the world. So much more that's not life. So much more that's not about Jesus. We ought to be so full of life, right? Uh, right, Father Doug, Father Rick, that we we're just we're just gleaming, just 
just glowing Jesus. Jesus ought to be on our lips and in our hearts and consistently on our minds. And we ought to be thinking of him and helping others to think of him and love him and leading others to him. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Father, we just thank you for your word. Above all, again, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us. Lord, help us to be, to be shepherds of your people. And, and help us, Father, to be sheep that also are, are following you, Lord Jesus, the, sh the chief shepherd, and following those who are responsible and genuine and caring and loving shepherds in our lives. Lord Jesus, we want to have life and we want to we want to have it to the full. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Seal this message to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.